Feelgoodery is recorded in front of, today, a sleeping, passed-out, exhausted live studio dog. So, not expecting a round of applause from him today. This is Feelgoodery, a place where we vent, which is what we're going to be doing today, share the sore spots and laugh at the embarrassing and embrace the messy, and occasionally talk about some really useful things that can help us feel better if we're in the mood. I'm Kyle Buchanan. I am so happy you're here because today I am venting because sometimes better out than in. Second sparkle coming up. Here we go. Hello, my friend. I hope you're having a wonderful day so far. I hope you are being good to yourself and kind to yourself. And if you are being harsh on yourself today, maybe take the foot off the gas for this next little bit. My morning has been filled with procrastination, but it's a very specific type of procrastination. It's it's work procrastination, if you know what I mean. Maybe I hope you do. So I, I'm not playing video games or watching TV instead of working. I am technically sitting at my desk at the place I do my work, at the working place, so my brain thinks I'm sort of doing the right thing, but in reality, I'm just sitting at the computer, looking at the computer, going from tab to tab, not actually getting anything done. If I if I have a random thought, I will Google that thought and then think, oh, what was the last thing I, I wanted to order on Amazon? And then I'll go to Amazon and then to get sidetracked seeing something else. So then I research that other thing on a different tab before going back to what I was supposed to be doing. But at this point, I have completely forgotten what that is. But I'm at my desk, so it counts as work, right? I mean, these, these are the most my most frustrating days where you feel like you are somewhat working. You are in the the position of doing work. You're pouring your time into sitting and trying, but nothing actually comes from it. It's sort of similar to sitting on the toilet struggling, but nothing comes, nothing comes of it. And you leave the washroom being like, well, that was just a waste of my life. But you know what? Even though work isn't getting done as fast as I would like, I am where I need to be for that work to happen. And I am trying, right? And that's a good, there's there's something to that. It's like putting your gym clothes on and, and going to the gym. Maybe the workout will suck, but you made the effort to get there. So I deserve a treat. I'm kidding. Uh, anyway, I, I think the reason I am procrastinating today is that I was putting off slash debating actually recording this episode. But as you can probably guess by now, as you are listening to it, I did the recording. I did do it. I decided to record this episode. And my hesitation really was this is a little bit more, not negative, but a little bit more venting and a rant than is typical of what I put out there. But for those who know me, I love a good rant. So this podcast is about all of it. So it's a rant. And so begin rant. So I... I've mentioned that I don't love the nutrition and wellness industry before, and I know I am part of it, and I understand the irony of that, but it's not that I hate it. I I sort of have a love-hate relationship with it. The hate part is that sometimes I think it can be a bit much, and it can be overwhelming and annoying and so friggin' preachy, and honest, this is my little mini rant on a frank personal level. A lot of the people that are majorly huge 
in the wellness and nutrition and love yourself and kindness space are actually some of the rudest people in real life. I have encountered them myself and I have heard from very trusted first-hand accounts from some of my closest friends. It's not everyone. There are genuinely wonderful people that practice what they preach, but what annoys me is that there are a larger number than I would like of people who portray themselves as being this kind, generous, loving, nurturing person on social media, and I have seen them firsthand be incredibly rude to uh, waiters, for example, or there, there's a certain level of entitlement that they act with. I, I just, I can't stand it. And for some reason, it makes it worse in my head that they are, if they were just, you know, uh, in another line of industry, fine. I don't love rude people, but the fact that they are preaching love and kindness and then doing a 180 in their real life, that really, really gets to me. And I've come across quite a few that makes me a little bit jaded, just a little bit. But with that little rant aside, what I do love about the concept of nutrition and wellness is that at its core, the right nutrition and taking other steps that work for you and your well-being, it really can make a difference to how you go about your time on this planet. It can make it a more pleasurable less painful experience. And that's why I am still in this space because I see it work for people because I do believe it can make a difference. But lately, I have been doing something that hasn't been serving me and has sort of been stoking the fire when it comes to my frustration of the nutrition and wellness industry as a whole. I have been reading the comments on Instagram, on Facebook, for whatever sick reason, I have been glued to reading the comments on everyone's page, on popular dietitian pages, functional medicine pages, functional doctor pages, nutritionist pages, and very popular wellness influencers pages. Some of the posts are solid, some not so much. But the thing is, what I'm realizing is it doesn't matter how good or bad or accurate or inaccurate the information being shared is, the range of comments below are always the same combination of things, regardless of the post. It's a mixture of an eye roll or laughing emojis, followed by comments like, this is a scam, or this is 100% not true, or tagging someone else to kind of discount their opinion, or supplements are a hoax, you can get everything you need from diet. Saw that one a lot, and we'll get into that. And these comments were really, really getting to me. So I sat with it for a while and wondered why they were getting to me on such a deep level. Why was I getting so incredibly frustrated and saddened by them? And then I came across someone who I follow on Instagram, who is normally very kind and very reputable, basically doing a story about why another evidence-based expert was lying or completely wrong and doing a disservice to everyone, and why instead you should only listen to basically her evidence-based expert opinion and people who follow her way of thinking. And it clicked for me. What was really annoying me wasn't necessarily the people outside of the industry commenting on professionals post. It was the professionals within the nutrition and wellness industry that were being divisive and righteousness. And that was getting to me. The comments and that sort of thing was kind of like icing on the cake. But really, within the industry itself, the health and wellness world 
It is filled with so much extremism and conflicting opinions, skewed evidence, and dismissive experts that there's no room or space to tell what's what or allow people to come up with their own unbiased conclusions for what might work for them. And it creates this frustration and overwhelm and sort of what's the point mentality. So it's no wonder we flock to the message boards to project our resentment to the industry. So with that, I want to make a few points, in my opinion, and lay out some of my thoughts when it comes to the divisiveness within the nutrition and wellness industry. First, let's talk about nutrition as a whole, because that's more my area. It is completely understandable why the subject of nutrition is so frustrating. It seems like what was terrible for you one year is now the food that will heal the world. And each year, there's a brand new diet that comes out that trumps all the rest. You've been eating wrong your entire life. You didn't know? And adding to the, the daily news headlines, every now and then, we have a documentary that comes out that truly gets more conversations going. These documentaries typically don't talk about moderation or balance. They tend to focus on the extremes because that's what gets viewership. There was one documentary that I won't name names. Um, it came out a couple years ago. It made a compelling argument why everyone should become vegan to thrive. It had a few points, but it missed the mark in a lot of other ways, and it was misleading. So with documentaries, I highly encourage everyone to always take a look at who is producing them and whether or not they might have a particular bias or conflict of interest, like perhaps owning a vegan protein line and producing a vegan documentary. I digress. When it comes to nutrition and why some diets or eating methods work so well for some people but make other people feel sick, the reason that some people thrive going on a plant-based diet while others get really sick and feel terrible, the reason for all these contradictions comes down to individuality. Each of us is a biological snowflake. We have different genetics and histories and environments and microbiomes. We have our own different traumas that live within us. We have different energetics on any given day. And because of this, we respond to things differently. What works for one will not necessarily work for another. This counts for so many interventions, including nutrition. What helps one person can make another person feel really sick. It's why you need to do what is right for you and be weary of anyone who claims their way of eating is the only way to eat. With that, I do want to say there are certain general practices that tend to do well for a lot of us that I've talked about before, including getting enough protein and drinking enough water and getting a variety of produce. But even then, you will find people that disagree with the fact that we should eat produce, which just blows my mind. And the concept of eating more whole foods versus ultra-processed foods is another solid point. This kind of stuff holds weight as a general recommendation. And I myself do share foods that I tend to avoid and recommend being avoided versus foods I would recommend based on the work I've done and the education I've had. But what I always try to do is present it as an option to try on for size if and only if you are working towards a health goal and you're looking for some information that might be of benefit to you. 
And it's a very, very fine line. And it is in the way that it's presented that I think either eeks me or doesn't eek me. And if I personally, me, Kyle, if I've presented something in a way that seems absolute or judgmental, then I apologize. But my pet peeve in this industry, in nutrition, is for those who cross that line. The expert who is arrogant, who tries to scare you or shame you into doing what they believe, who throws shade at people who don't think the way they do. It is those people, those arrogant people in the nutrition space that really just grind my gears. Secondly, as we cheery on, cheerily go along, let's talk, I am cheery. Sometimes this kind of stuff gets me heated because arrogance and ego is my biggest pet peeve, but let's carry on. I do want to talk about the science of nutrition because it's a little bit tricky when it comes to nutrition science, as it is a very difficult thing to study without outside variables having influence. A lot of nutrition studies are done using observational methods, uh, i.e. you observe a population and you gather data, but these tend to prove associations, not causations when it comes to food. So X is associated with Y, X does not necessarily cause Y. And one big issue with these observational studies is that they tend to rely on self-reported data, things like food diaries, and they rely on people's memories to report what they ate. And let's face it, our memories aren't that reliable all of the time. People may forget to mention certain foods or underestimate or overestimate portion sizes, and this can introduce uh, errors into the data. Another challenge with like nutrition studies is that our diets are incredibly complex. We don't just eat single nutrients or foods in isolation. We have a whole range of dietary habits that interact with each other. So when a study finds a connection between a specific nutrient and health, it's tough to say whether it's that one nutrient alone or a combination of factors that, that sort of drive those results. There's also something called healthy user bias. And this is an important point. People who participate in nutrition studies often can lead already healthier lives. They might exercise more, avoid smoking, or generally just like make better lifestyle choices. So when a study shows positive or negative outcomes for a specific diet or nutrient, it might not be solely due to those factors, but could also be affected by the participants' overall healthier behaviors, and this can skew the results. If you're interested to know more about that, I'd urge you to check out someone named Chris Kresser. I'll put his info into the show notes. He talks about this a lot, especially in regards to the backlash of red meat consumption. And in terms of healthy user bias in red meat, he explores in depth that, or emphasizes that individuals who consciously reduce their red meat intake might also engage in other health conscious behaviors like consuming whole foods or exercising or avoiding harmful habits like smoking. Therefore, attributing health outcomes solely to reduce red meat consumption can be misleading as those individuals have a range of healthier lifestyle factors at play. So I'll, I'm going to put that article in the show notes. It's really interesting. So essentially, when it comes to nutrition science and research, it is complex and it is a nuanced subject. There is room for error and we have to remember that. At the end of the day, don't believe headlines as fact. Look into it and see what research was actually done who was funding the research? Was there maybe some biases at play? It is a very 
layered, nuanced subject. Moving on, rant point three, I want to talk about just other modalities. And my nose is getting a little bit stuffy, so I, if you can hear me getting more congested, it's not in your head. It's in, it's in my head. So beyond nutrition, there are so many other modalities when it comes to healing. There are things like acupuncture, naturopathic medicine, homeopathy, uh, energetic medicine, uh, Reiki, <clears throat> so many different ones. There's so many different ways in when it comes to healing. And depending on who you are, your root might be different than someone else's. But that doesn't mean their root is the wrong way. It is just the root that works for them. I believe that the more options to go around, the better. If we gave weight to some of the more natural alternatives in the same way we give weight to the more mainstream medicine, that would be fantastic. You can have both, but it doesn't help the cloud of confusion in this industry when experts in one field discount someone else's field, i.e. a conventional doctor denouncing homeopathic medicine, or on the other side, a naturopathic doctor discounting the conventional medical system. I mean, in my opinion, we should be embracing the fact that we have so many people out there who have knowledge from varying fields and schools of thought, and not shutting them out or shutting them down or trying to shut down their entire industries, which seems to be happening more and more. I truly think, and this is why I like to believe in everything and anything, if something has the potential to make someone feel better, there is merit to that. And if you don't believe it does, then you don't have to do it. But don't try to take away someone else's right to try it for themselves or make them feel bad about it for exploring something that you might not agree with. When it comes to trusting a source, especially now in the world of, you know, a billion different experts, I tend to trust someone who has some schooling in their area, who continually learns, and but most importantly, is not adamant that their way is the only way to do it and not someone who easily dismisses someone else's opinion. Just because we don't understand something, it doesn't mean we dismiss it. Next up in this little rant session, I do want to respond to a common comment I, I, I see a lot and a question I get. I, I want to share my opinion about supplementing because one comment that does come up a lot in these posts is that supplements are not necessary or not necessarily necessary and you can get everything you need through diet. So here are a few of my thoughts with respect to everyone is different, every individual is different, and of course there is uh, varying degrees based on one's own diet. For the general population, yes, in a perfect world we would get all of our nutrients from food, but there's a few things. Our soils are not as nutrient dense as they once were. They're not as mineral rich as they were 50 years ago. Additionally, people, and I see this in practice, they tend to eat way fewer veggies and fruits than they actually should. We tend to eat a very monotonous, as in the same processed diet that's vulnerable to nutrient deficiencies, especially if you don't have a lot of rotation in there. And we have an increased need for nutrients with the more toxic and polluted environment we find ourselves in. We are not living with no pollution like our ancestors did. Our bodies have to cope and process a lot more than they used to. So supplements, they can be a helping hand to get you to the level of health you are striving for, i.e. thriving, not just surviving, or correct a nutrient deficiency faster. They're not all meant to be forever. 
with some notable exceptions like vitamin D, but at times they can serve a purpose for you to get from A to D faster. Now, the one asterisk I would say to this, vitamins, they can become a waste of money if your digestion is suffering and you aren't actually absorbing the things you're consuming. This is both vitamins and foods, which is a bigger issue. That's why it is so important to nurture a healthy digestive system. And if you are experiencing ongoing issues, please consult a healthcare practitioner. And I will be getting into the the nitty gritty of this later down the line in this podcast. And that sound means it's time for today's feel good thing, which are the day-to-day things that are worth a momentary spot in the spotlight so we can start training our brains to relish the little things more often because it's really easy for our brains to find the bad. Today's feel-good thing is that feeling you get when you finally pull out that damn ingrown hair. If you've ever had an ingrown hair, I you know what I mean. Whether it's on your face or on your leg or any of the many places we can have hair, having a little naggy, painful hair that you just can't get is one of the most frustrating things that can take up so much of your attention because it hurts after a while. You know it's growing in there and it somehow feels like it's taunting you and your failed attempts to get it. But then one glorious day happens when the stars align and the tweezers or the needle or whatever device you, you're using, they get in at exactly the right angle and you pull that smug little hair right out and you are free. To this day, I still think about this one ingrown hair I had in my upper lip for months that I had, it had grown into this like little underground spiral and it took a week of trying and a very inflamed looking upper lip. But one day I pulled it out and it was the most satisfying thing I had that entire year. Anyways, today's feel-good thing is finally getting that ingrown hair out of your body. All right, my friend. With that little ranty episode, we'll close it out. This industry can be exhausting. The wellness world can be annoying, and there are days where I want to throw my phone out the window after seeing all the conflicting information and superior opinions out there. And I think part of the reason it frustrates me so much is that People who might be kinder or have a more neutral position are coached to be more divisive because that's how you get followers and earn a living. We live in a world of clickbait, which unfortunately works and helps people pay their bills. But beyond that, it just contributes to volatility and confusion for people who are just looking for ways to feel better. At the end of the day, you have to do what's right for you. There are endless ways for us to feel good and so many routes to get there. And we should be excited about that. What a wonderful world that we have so many doors open to us. And my hope is that those doors stay open and aren't shut because we forgot how to support one another when we disagree. As always, if you do like this podcast, it would mean a lot to me if you take a second to give the show a five-star rating and or a little review because it does make an impact. Here's to doing what's right for you. And here's to trying, even if it means sitting at your computer, procrastinating, going from tab to tab and getting nothing done, but trying to set yourself up for success nonetheless. End of rant. You have a wonderful day and I'll see you next time on Feel Goodery.
And now for the legal stuff. The information provided in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. Please always consult with your trusted healthcare provider.